Thank you so much, Carl. In just a moment, I'll invite Minda to come up for the reading of Scripture. But so as we turn to the Word, I invite you to turn. There's Bibles in front of you if you want to grab one, or from in your app, you could turn. Oh yeah, I'm going to have to, you could turn and uh, to Deuteronomy 16. Our reading is from Deuteronomy chapter 16, verses 13 to 15. Celebrate the festival of tabernacles for seven days after you have gathered the produce of your threshing floor and your wine press. Be joyful at your festival, you, your sons and daughters, your male and female servants, and the Levites, the foreigners the fatherless, and the widows who live in your towns. For seven days, celebrate the festival to the Lord your God at the place the Lord will choose. For the Lord your God will bless you in all your harvest and in all the work of your hands, and your joy will be complete. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you so much, Minda. So some of you were following us last week on social media when we spent the week at Barnabas, Barnabas Landing, the best family camp experience I've ever, uh, I've ever known. Absolutely wonderful. We were there from Tuesday, August 1st to the 6th. That is only one day short of the biblical celebration of the Festival of Tabernacles. Now, we did set up some tents there. People set up tents. Uh, uh, I don't know if they were necessarily celebrating this biblical feast, if that was in their mind. We were not in a tent, in a booth uh, at that point. Uh, How often do we take for a week-long celebration? Anyone here take a week-long celebration for things? Maybe at Christmas? Um, Even then? I would say we don't do it near enough. We don't do it near enough, given that God instituted this rhythm right from the start. So we're going to talk a little bit today about this idea of celebration. And this summer we have been challenged as we have been seeking peace together. In May and June, we focused on seeking peace with God, how we Connect deeply with Jesus, trusting him. Not being torn apart by our anxieties, Jesus would say. And how that brings peace within. How we can have peace within. God's shalom, that reality of wholeness and rest and sense of completeness. How are you doing with that? You don't have to answer. It's okay if we're still learning, right? We're going to keep learning about that till the very end. In July, we talked more about how to seek peace with each other. How do you come up against conflict? How do you, uh, instead of living in fear of that conflict, how do we have God's empowering presence to engage each other honestly? Some hard-hitting things. Maybe even walking away when we need to as we become more like Jesus. I want you to turn to your neighbor right now and say, you're becoming more like Jesus. Go ahead. 
We all are. Jesus isn't done with any of us yet. Just don't say how much farther they need to go, please. And in August, we've been talking a little bit more about seeking peace, God's wholeness, God's shalom in relation to creation. This gift that God has given us to steward and look after. So important. I think there are times that we have a light bulb moment where things seem to click in our minds, in our hearts. And given the record the record temperatures, the incredible amount of wildfires raging across our world. Lord, have mercy on those in Maui with the many lives lost, the families still wondering. I think more and more we're realizing that we have not done a great job of stewarding this wonderful world the Lord has given us. Now, there's many things that we can do to learn how to do this better, learn how to do it well. And in uh, Lauren Wilkinson's book, Caring for Creation, in your own backyard that Grace brought up last week, is a wonderful place to start. At the beginning of pretty much each chapter, each section, he has a two-page list of simple things that we can do to make a good change in our lives as we care for creation. By the way, last week, didn't Grace just do a great job preaching? I thought she did just, yeah. She did a great job up here. Happy to give her this place, this pulpit, as she brought the word to us. I also invite you, of course, to come on Wednesday night. As I was saying earlier, Wednesday night as we watch the documentary by Wilkinson called Making Peace with Creation. And we'll send out the link. So, uh, you know, just taking this time with me is enough time with me for a week, that's fine. You could watch this at home as well. So if at home was better for you, but if you want to chat about it with others, wrestle with this topic a bit, I encourage you to come on Wednesday night. Now the passage that Minda read today takes another approach, a little bit different. At first you might wonder, does this really fit? How does gathering together in celebration fit with caring for creation, finding peace with God and with creation. And like so many things in the Bible, and with our God, we have to ask just what Jesus is up to and what we can learn about this. The theme today is celebration. That's why the kids left early, actually. They left to go have a celebration. And how can celebration help us make peace with creation? You might say, for some, celebration is the last thing we should be doing when the world is burning. And you may have a point. Or you might be tempted to say, well, I'm glad you've said this, Pastor. The world is such a downer. Let's just party. Right? Either way, the biblical narrative challenges us to shift our thinking. And we have to ask, how does celebration bring peace? If we're seeking peace, how does celebration bring peace? So we're going to take a look just a few ways to do this, and we're even going to have a little bit of discussion. I think we have some time for that amongst each other. First off, I would say that we need to focus on abundance in creation. Often we have a scarcity mindset. 
And yet God has given us so much. How does this work? God has provided us with all that we need and will continue to provide. At Barnabas, when we were teaching, Hannah and I focused on hospitality, how God made space for us, literally made space for us, but makes space for us in our lives, for us to be in relationship, and that we need to make space for God. The reality is is that we have this lack inside of us. St. Augustine says it like this, you have made us for yourself, O Lord, and our hearts are restless until they rest in you. We go searching everywhere else, trying to fill this this lack that's within us. C.S. Lewis says it like this. All all that, let's see, here it is. All that we call human history is the long, terrible story of man trying to find something other than God which will make him happy. In our world, we're always wanting to fill the emptiness that we feel, at least specifically in the West, if we're honest, the part of the world where we have so much, and it's never quite enough, is it, to fill us up? In other parts of the world, they're actually very content, even though they have little, until they watch too much Western TV, often. When there was a festival and sacrifices were made here in the Old Testament, that meant no matter how much people had or how little they had, they brought their food together to sacrifice, and that meant a feast. What else would they do with all that meat? They would burn the fat as part of an offering, but the meat would go to the priests and to an open feast so that all who had little could enjoy the bounty. When we answer God's call to celebrate, it involves giving back to the Lord and releasing our hold on all this stuff that the Lord has lavished on us. And we end up saying, I just want a little bit more. Thank you very much, Lord. Instead of releasing it. Jenny sent me this quote from the uh, it comes from in The Hobbit, from J.R.R. Tolkien. If more of us valued food and cheer and song above hoarded gold, it would be a merrier world. I think it was King Thorn that says that in The Hobbit. And I, I just loved it. And I said, boy, that really fits. That fits with my sermon this week. And she just randomly sent it to me. I think, well, maybe not so random. With this command to stop working... And to gather your resources to celebrate together, God is freeing us from holding so tightly to our hoarded gold. Leviticus 23 tells more of this feast, the longer passage, and I thought I'd read the shorter passage, have us read the shorter passages, but in the longer one it says this. These offerings are in addition to those for the Lord's Sabbath, and in addition to your gifts and whatever you have vowed and all the free will offerings you give to the Lord. 
This is a real party he's talking about. He says, yeah, you've given lots, but bring more. Bring in extra for this feast to really celebrate. Realize that you actually have an abundance. Don't hold back. And we can realize that, especially if we will work together and not hoard for our own private selves. What abundance, what harvest has God given you? Is a question I have for you this morning. At times, we miss it if we don't stop and ask. So I'd love for you just to take a couple minutes, turn to someone near you, and if you don't want to share, you don't have to, but just turn to someone and say, what is some harvest, some abundance that you have enjoyed recently that God has given you? Take a couple minutes. Just turn to a couple people near you. What has some abundance that God has given you recently? Well, that is, it's wonderful to hear you sharing with each other. I apologize any introverts in the crowd that have just made very uncomfortable. I hope you didn't feel like you had to say something. You could just open your ears and hearts to others. We sang this morning, for all your goodness, I will keep on singing 10,000 reasons for my heart to find. Do you live in a scarcity mindset where you think, oh, I just need a little more, I just need a little more? Or do you recognize all that God has given us and find a little more peace with that and say, wow, we have something to celebrate throughout, right from the beginning? God wants us to have this sense of celebration for all that he's given us, for the bountiful harvest. Lord, we thank you for all that you provide to nourish and sustain us. So secondly, we want to recognize where all of it comes from. It's from creation comes from the creator. This party is commanded by God because God has provided the harvest. So we offer back to God and celebrate what God has done. When we feel we have all that we have only because of our work, so easy to end up a little selfish about it, right? This is the truth everywhere, not, not just for us here in the church. You know people who have an abundance but realize that it's come not only through their work, but from the work and generosity of others, right? You know people like that and how they are willing to help others, to bless others, to celebrate what they have with others. There's that generous spirit. But even as followers of Jesus, we can tend to think, well, we've done it, and we deserve the benefit and not be so giving. When we recognize that every good and perfect gift comes from above, it's easier to do what Paul says in Philippians 4, and I love this translation from the, the Passion Translation. Be cheerful with joyous celebration in every season of life. Let your joy overflow and let gentleness be seen in every relationship. For our Lord is ever near 
Don't be pulled in different directions or worried about a thing. Be cheerful with joyous celebration. Of course, that's not to say that we don't go through hard times. And if you're sitting there going, well, thanks, Pastor, but you don't know what I'm going through right now. Enough talk of celebration. Enough talk of abundance. I recognize that we all have struggles and lament and grief is part of the struggle. And sometimes, maybe at some parties, at some celebrations, you're the host or you're the one bringing the fatted calf. You're the one providing all the goodies. But the great thing about a, a celebration together is that sometimes you're not bringing anything and you get to participate. You got nothing to give and you just need to receive. Sometimes that's where you're at and that is okay. At other times, you are the one that's giving and sometimes you're the one who needs are being met. All right, so can I ask you to gather back in your little groups of two or three and share again, maybe a little more vulnerably, Maybe it's only one brave soul that's ready to share this. What are some ways that you feel like you're struggling a little right now? Where do you need the help of God and of others? So back in your groups, maybe someone's willing to share just a little bit. Where are you feeling like it's a bit of a lack right now? Well, I'll gather you back up here. And maybe that's a conversation you can carry on at coffee time. And uh, share, continue to share. Ask a little bit of what someone was sharing with you about. And God, we, we lift these concerns to you. May we know your help, and may we offer help to others. So what's interesting about these celebrations that God is commanding, this is a part of God's law to party. That what's so interesting is that these celebrations are not just for the in crowd. Did you recognize that in the passage that Minda read? Did you notice it? That a major part of this is that we share what we have from the abundance that God has given us through creation. Verse 14, it says, Be joyful at your festival, you, your sons and daughters, your male and female servants, and the Levites. So that was sort of the the priests. That's the priests, the priestly. They wouldn't have income of their own, so they get some from this. But it doesn't end there. You might think that's where it ends. The foreigners, the fatherless, and the widows who live in your towns. The Lord's saying, don't forget the widows. You may even have to help them get to the party. And the orphans who are living on the streets. Yeah, they may be a little stinky, a little filthy. But God has not forgotten them. And did you hear the other demographic? 
What's the other one? Foreigner. That's right. Thank you. You know, these people knew that they were a people set apart for God. They were meant to be a holy people. And they would at most times keep their distance from the foreigner. And yet when it comes to this party, everyone is included. Bring in the foreigners living in your town. Make space for them. Maybe that means on the bench beside you. You might have to rub shoulders with them. They have to sit somewhere. James, way back in the, in the New Testament, near the end of the whole Bible, James writes a letter. It's Jesus' brother, by the way. And he brings this mindset into the early church in chapter 2. He says, my friends, if you have faith in our glorious Lord Jesus, in other words, do you trust Jesus, the one who made everything, promises to care for you, and is absolutely glorious? Then, of course, he goes on, you won't treat some people better than others. Suppose a rich person wearing fancy clothes and a gold ring comes into one of your meetings, and suppose a poor person dressed in worn-out clothes also comes. You must not give the best seat to the one in fancy clothes and tell the one who is poor to stand at the side or sit on the floor. He knows that would be our temptation, eh? Back in Deuteronomy, in our passage, we see widows, most often very poor back then, orphans, foreigners. You know what these three groups aren't going to bring to this party? They're not going to bring any food for the offering. Of course, that's food for the feast. But that doesn't matter to God. God says, I've given to you, so please be generous. Give to others and just watch how God uses your generosity to open up your own soul and be made whole, to experience his shalom, his peace. And of course, you know where James got the idea from his big brother, Jesus. Luke 14, Jesus said to his host at a party where they were giving him a hard time. He says, when you give a luncheon, I love it, luncheons. Me, that's where we got it. How often do you hold a luncheon? When you give a luncheon, I don't think that's the Greek, though. We'd have to look at it. When you give a luncheon or dinner, do not invite your friends, your brothers and sisters, your relatives, or your rich neighbors. Isn't that who we usually invite? I think so. Jesus says, if you do, they may invite you back, and so you will be repaid. Well, of course, that's exactly how we do things, right? Jesus wants us to turn, our, turn this on its head a little bit. He says, but when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed. Although they cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. James goes on in his letter, he says, didn't God choose the poor in this world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom that he has promised to those who love him? 
So God has a yearly reenactment for these people to be reminded of their own past poverty and their need and reliance on him. It's really cool. If you, if you look again at the Leviticus passage, it says that they are to live in temporary shelters for seven days. They're supposed to camp out. All native-born Israelites are to live in such shelters so your descendants will know that I had the Israelites live in temporary shelters when I brought them out of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. Seven days in tents. Jews still do it today, a sukkah. So it's, it's named the Festival of Booths or sukkah. Sukkah, right? They still live in it. And I, I think it's sort of a fun idea. I think mostly they send the kids out to sleep in it. They eat in it, but images from, uh, they still do this. Aren't you glad you're not Jewish? You don't have to sleep out in the ground? I wonder if an RV counts as a temporary shelter. I bet you some of them say, yeah. I was looking this up, and they said, uh, uh, of course, um, yeah, of course, the best, it's the best way to ensure it rains is to sleep in the sukkah, one Jewish scholar was saying. So the Lord doesn't want any of us to be on a high horse. Wow, we've got it all with our abundance, like we're above others. So let me ask you, do you have a foreigner or a stranger living in your neighborhood? I've told you before, I have a French-Canadian living next door. I don't know if that really counts. Yeah. But maybe it is someone who struggles with English. Maybe, just maybe, inviting them over for a cup of iced tea would be just the encouragement they need. Maybe a barbecue. Maybe for your next celebration. You invite someone over that you usually wouldn't. I know just yesterday I, I came in, popped in for something, and Chuck, Sherry were roasting up a massive feast of pork chops for our street church today. They're throwing a big feast for those that are street entrenched. It's one way that we live this out as we as a community. And I'd encourage you sometime to pop down on a Sunday afternoon, sit alongside the guys and gals that we minister to down there. Now, we won't turn to each other for this question, but let me ask you, who needs to be invited to the feast? Who could you invite to your or our next party without any obligation on their part just to bless them and to perhaps be blessed in return? Did you hear how this passage ends? I think, do I have it up here? Yeah. For seven days, celebrate the festival to the Lord your God at the place the Lord will choose. For the Lord your God will bless you in all your harvest and in all the work of your hands and your joy will be complete. And that's an incredible phrase. Our joy being made complete. As we celebrate what God has given us in creation, 
and we share it with others, instead of hoarding it ourselves, we can experience that sense of joy. And this theme echoes throughout history. The prophet Nehemiah, which we've walked through as a church together, and that's where this surprising place where this passage comes up in Nehemiah 8.10. Nehemiah says, go and enjoy choice food and sweet drinks and send some to those who have nothing prepared. This day is holy to our Lord. Do not grieve, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. And even our Lord himself says the greatest commandment is to love God with everything we have and then to love our neighbor as ourselves. Taken from Leviticus, actually. And then he says in John 15, I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. If we're longing for peace, if we're longing for joy, where can we find it? The scriptures say we can find it as we recognize all that God has given us and we give it away. The way that I thought about this is that if we are to be instruments of peace, let others share in the feast. All right, so you're used to this. You're used to saying the yellow, so let's try this together. I'll say the first part and you can say the second. To be instruments of peace, let others share. Well, let's try that again. To be instruments of peace, others share in the feast. One more time. To be instruments of peace, let others share in the feast. May it be so. Let's pray, and then we're going to sing. Jesus, we thank you. We thank you for the rich history that we have. And sometimes when we look back at these old passages, we sort of wonder, what are they all about? What do these celebrations have to do with us? And yet, Lord, we see here how you have instituted celebration as part of our a way that we are spiritually formed in you. And that as we celebrate, recognizing all that you've given us, we can in turn be instruments of peace that we experience in you as we share with others. Lord, so help us become more like you today, Jesus, to be instruments of peace in this world. Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I invite you to stay standing for our closing blessing and benediction. And I invite you to open your hands as a symbol of receiving what God has for you. And that song uh, we've chosen specifically as a song to sing throughout this summer as we seek to be instruments of peace, but it's a lot older then it's time just uh, as a song. It comes from St. Francis, those lyrics. And part of what he wrote is, O Divine Master, grant that I may not so much seek to be consoled as to console, to be understood as to understand, to be 
loved as to love. For it is in giving that we receive. It is in pardoning that we are pardoned. And it is in dying that we are born to eternal life. So as you go from the service, go in the knowledge that your joy can be complete. That as you celebrate all that God has given you and shared with others, that you can find a deep level of peace and joy in the midst of whatever it is you're going through. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. And go in peace.